Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is Dave Walker. You can call me DW, and I'm joined by my co-host, the amazing and forever mad online, Gina <laughs> Kelly. Gina, how are you doing? I'm doing great, David. Thanks. How are you? I am. I'm still pissed off about that game. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I feel like that's going to be our perpetual state of existence this year. Yes, it is. <laughs> yep. Uh, our guest today is one of our fellow writers at the site, the one and only Eric Robinson. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys doing? Oh, man. You know, the alcohol's flowing a lot freer these days. So, <laughs> um, Today, we are going to respond to you, the listeners and readers who gave us feedback on the Falcons' humiliating loss to the Bears. You messaged us on Twitter. Uh, you left us feedback at thefalcoholic.com. And for the first time ever, you called us and left us some great voicemails on our podcast-specific voicemail line. Uh, so we're really excited about this. This is our first time trying this. And honestly, I feel like the community, as Eric and I were talking about earlier, the community needs this right now. We we need sort of this uh, outlet where people can come, let their voice be heard, let their you know let their uh, opinions be out there, and you know for other Falcons fans to hear, so we can can commiserate together. Um, let's dive straight into it. Uh, I'm going to start with some of the feedback we got on Twitter because there's uh, you know a few less of the uh, of the feedback there. We ha- we have over 46 comments on the Falcoholic article, uh, so I'll have to, we'll have to pick and choose what we look at there, and we'll get to the the voicemails as well, which you guys already sent us 11 of them, which was fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, first question I want to pick from Twitter. And this is, I think a lot of the people are going to be asking this. We are probably going to examine this further at the Falcoholic. Uh, is this, if we keep losing like this, and this is from uh, Charger19, Perry Sims on Twitter. Uh, thank you for this question. He says, if we keep losing like this and end up with the number one pick, do you take Trevor Lawrence and have him learn behind Matt? I mean, we're starting... We're starting in the darkness, folks. So, um, Eric, I know you, you've got some thoughts about this. Jume, I have no doubt that you do as well. So, Eric, I'll let you go first. What do you think? Number one pick, do you take the QB of the future? You know, you know we, we discussed this yesterday in the group chat, and I, and I think you provided a you know, pretty, pretty good um, – perspective on it all you know it's this could be a, a situation where you know the falcons can set themselves up a la the packers for the future you know getting a guy that is still capable of um you, you know having a guy in place that's still capable of producing 
in Matt Ryan, but also, you know, go ahead and get your future guy in place. And, you know, the Packers have done that twice in their history. You know, they've done it with mm-hmm. others and they do, they, they've done it now. So, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you look at the list of prospects in next year's draft projected and, you know, it isn't really a list that the Falcons can say, okay, we need to fill that now. Um, a lot of the top prospects you know, out of the top 10 prospects that are that are posted uh, or that are projected for next year, a lot of them are either quarterback, offensive tackle, receiver, or maybe linebacker, you know, and, and the Falcons have future assets already in those places. In, in, right, in, in right. Positions. So it's an interesting concept to think about right now. Um, and I think a lot of that also depends on who is roaming the sidelines next year. You know, if it's Dan Quinn, I honestly can say, hypothetically, there's no way in the world he's going to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. <laughs> um, it's a great point. You know, but if it's a guy, if it's a new head coach and a new GM, man, it's hard for them. You know, it's hard for us to on- honestly sit here and say they're not going to want to get their guy. Gina, what do you think? David, you and I have been friends for a number of years, and I really think, you know, probably starting around 2012 is when we started to have this conversation about <laughs> where the Falcons draft somebody to develop behind Matt Ryan. And right. you know, everything kind of changed in 2018 when, um, uh, 2018, I'm so tired, 2008, <laughs> when Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco both came into the league, both of those guys were thrust into starting roles. And both of them had really solid early careers. And I think that it kind of shaped the way that the league views quarterbacks. I think that this is the time to draft Matt Ryan's replacement. And I don't think that I don't think that that person necessarily has to replace him next season. Um, I would prefer a situation like with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay played behind one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever take the field, not for the Falcons who drafted him, but for (laughs) Green Bay and especially, you know, Minnesota, he had, you know, in his twilight years, some success there, Brett Favre. And um, I just think that there's so much to gain from having somebody come in and learn behind Matt, who's been very consistent. He's a great leader. He understands how to be the face of a franchise and he's just a genuinely good person, but without really having any threat of taking his job. I mean, I just feel like that's a, it's a safe play. Um, you'll, you know, that when Matt Ryan does retire, you'll have somebody waiting in the wings who can step in and take over. The issue is that somebody like Trevor Lawrence could go be a starter elsewhere. Yeah. And that's a very, very different payday. And so I think that that's one of the things that might kind of throw things off. But I mean, I don't think that it's a bad idea. And that's not a knock on Matt at all. That's just, I think that it would be smart to know what we're doing, know what life after Matt Ryan will look like. Yeah, I I really, I think you guys both pointed to it. The Aaron Rodgers comparison, I think is apt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe uh, Favre was around 37 uh, when they drafted uh, uh, when they drafted him, and or 37, 38, somewhere around that that point. So Matt Ryan's 35. I guess he'll be 36 uh, or in that ballpark when they would draft uh, that next quarterback. The parallels are are there, and I, I think you could argue that 
um, the Falcons, if they end up with the number one pick, may not end up in that situation again where they have an opportunity to grab the best quarterback uh, in the draft class. Uh, you know, it, it, when Matt Ryan retires, there's probably going to be if they don't draft a quarterback, there's probably going to be a season where they'll have, you know, some journeyman or some Match backup. Job. It'll yeah, be- <laughs> still be Matt job. <laughs> the man is ageless. He is going to play until he's 73 years old, at least. <laughs> truly, truly. Uh, so I, I think it, it becomes too good of an opportunity to pass up. I, I, uh, I agree with both I of you. I think we should go ahead and point this out, regardless if they even you know, go in the direction of getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. We should point out Matt Ryan's contract situation. So he has a very good point. He has a potential out in 2022. And if they were to part ways with him, that's 26 and a half million in dead cap. They don't see a comfortable number as far as dead cap moving on from him until 2023. At that point, it's 8.6 million. So, Mm -hmm. Hypothetically, if the Falcons wanted to move on from Matt Ryan next year, it's going to cost them almost fifty million dollars in, in dead cap money. They're just literally going to burn. So, for any fan that's honestly sitting out there thinking, "Hey, we should trade him or cut him," yeah, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. nope, ain't going to happen. No, exactly right. Great, great point. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to play one of our one of the very first voicemails that came in after we put the call out. Uh, so we're going to hit this and get everyone's responses. As soon as I can actually make it open. Here we go. Hey, Falcoholic. Saitama Falcon from the Falcoholic. Uh, who do you guys think is the interim head coach? Because there's not a lot of good options. I'm looking forward to you guys' debate on that. That guy had a very eventful fourth quarter, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> can you blame him? <laughs> all of our minds. And so, you know, it's our language, at least me and DW. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and All right. So I think the first part of this, which was unspoken, is expecting a coaching change. So let's roll with the idea that a coaching change happens at some point during the season. It doesn't appear – that's going to happen right now, but let's assume some sort of coaching change happens during the 2020 season. So Gina, I'll go to you with this one first. It was a really good question. Mm-hmm. Who do you think takes over for Dan Quinn if he's fired? So I have to say, I like, I'm not, I'm not happy about the fact that the team has to fire Dan Quinn, but I recognize that it is a necessity at this point. But one of the reasons that I'm not thrilled about it is that I don't really see a great head coaching option. My preference would be Raheem Morris, who he was dealing with the, I mean, when he was a head coach before it was with the bucks and let's all be honest. It's not like that's an easy head coaching gig, especially at the time. And um, yeah, just Dirk, we know what he is capable of. We have seen it in two separate offensive coordinator stints, as well as his entire time being the head coach of the bucks. And yeah, no thanks. I mean, I just don't want anything to do with that. So then I guess, you know, if you kind of look down the coaching depth chart, a Jeff Ulbrich is the guy that I do really like. I would not mind seeing him get a shot to kind of step up and, and run a whole team. But the reality is, will things get better if the Falcons install somebody who's already on staff as an interim head coach? 
probably not. Could it get yep. worse? Actually, maybe. I mean, oh, I'm, that's hard to imagine, but <laughs> it is hard to actually. It's probably just going to be a shit show either way. Let's just be honest. It's probably not that big of a trade off. But my goodness, 2020. Thanks a lot. <laughs> right. Um, Eric, what do you think about who would take over if Quinn is canned? I think. I think Ulbrick is the only answer here, to be quite honest, Um, because the staff is mixed with either veteran coaches who are who are slowly on a weekly base basis showing that they can't be trusted, i.e. Dirk Cutter, Raheem Morris, Bob Sutton, um, or it's a mixed bag of coaches that are literally still young um, and can't you know, can't lead a team, in my opinion, at this point in their career. Joe Witt, Tyus Lupoy, um, those guys are young, bright head coaches for the future. But right now, in this situation, man, we cannot hand the mantle to them. Um, so I think Obrick is the only answer here. Um, I swear, if Dirk Cutter is named the interim head coach of this team, burn the season. Like, literally, just... <laughs> Everybody just literally like just just walk out, opt out for the season. The entire team should opt out. Like just <laughs> we're not playing for the rest of the year because Dirt Cutter will lead this train wreck into an even more you know destructive situation here, and and it's, it's, it'll get worse in my opinion. Wow. Uh, I I can't argue with either of you. I'm just we're gonna roll with those answers because they're they're too good to uh, for me to put my voice into that. Um, I'm going to read one of the comments from the article at the Falcoholic uh, asking for the comments for this podcast. Uh, and it's from the um, Amerasian Sensation. Uh, first of all, love the name. Uh, fantastic. And it says, as a Falcons fan my whole life, this past game really encouraged me. Encouraged, not discouraged. The worst case scenario for the season was for the team to sneak into the playoffs, giving TD and DQ a few more years. Instead, by flaming out in such glorious fashion, not only is the team trending toward a high draft pick, but also a new coach. And may I suggest a candidate? Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy. Can you imagine what he would do with our offense? That they'd average seventy points a game. Do not let your hearts be dismayed. Hope is on the way. Eric, I know you like an aspect of this. Tell me what you think, man. Well, I mean, I, I hope that person wasn't like saying, hey, I'm the only one that thought of this because literally <laughs> every point, every every individual has said Bienemy is probably the top candidate for him right now. And I, and I think it's it's a pretty good choice. Um yeah. I think in this particular situation with the Falcons, you know, getting a guy like Bienemy in will be key, but I think equally um deserving of the attention and the ability to to make a great hire will be getting it will be getting that good GM and and I have a person in mind for that GM spot if they were to go in that direction. I think Lewis Riddick would be a really, really good candidate and a really good person to come in and replace Thomas Dimitrov. I wow. I did the Scouting Academy uh three years ago and he's one of the lead instructors in the Scouting Academy. That guy knows football inside and out, up and down, through and through. And I like it. He will be, I think he's ready. I honestly think he's ready. Gina, what do you think? 
I love it. Um, and I like that the commenter gave us, you know, a little bit of hope to cling to because yes. I fully expect the Falcons to continue falconing for the rest of the season or until there's a coaching change and then maybe even extra falconing. I mean, who knows? This team is, it's time to look toward 2020. And I usually don't say that going into week four, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and beyond me, I just feel like if you look at, he's had incredible weapons in Kansas City, and he has put them all in positions to succeed. He anticipates what the defense is going to do. In my opinion, he's on like a Shanahan level, um, or at least close to it. And that's Shanahan's biggest strength. It's why he's a head coach now. And I think that Vietnam has done enough to also justify the shot. So he's the guy who's at the top of my list. I mean, we've been through this other times as Falcons fans. And I know like before Quinn was hired, it was all, you know, Oh, Rex Bryan and that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll acknowledge that a lot of things can change over time as we play out the rest of the season. But I have to say, as much as I like Dan Quinn, I am excited about getting a new head coach in here simply because the offense has so much talent and it's honestly criminal to use Julio and Matt Ryan in ways that don't win the team rings, you know, yeah. so yeah. I'm looking forward to getting somebody with a fresh perspective in here and, and seeing what they can do particularly with this offense. Yeah. Uh, God, I agree. Oh, some great comments so far. I'm really, really, uh, happy with how this has turned out. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go to Twitter. We had uh, actually quite a few people, uh, and just read some of these comments We're, we won't necessarily respond to all of them, but, uh, Dan Gregg says we can all pray for DQ to leave yet. I'm sure the Falcons were, will disappoint us with another bad coach. Oh God. <laughs> that's, that's a man who's seen some pain. Um, Paulo Swallow says they were up 15 points without multiple starters, including a hall of fame wide receiver and an up up and coming first round cornerback. When the best players on the field came from the university of Buffalo, Climax, you can't judge a player by what school he comes from. Uh, excellent point. Uh, Michael said, why don't the Falcons have what it takes when we're in four minutes to kill the clock? That's a hell of a question, man. Is, um, yeah. We're, we ask that week, you know, week by week. It's a question back definitely to the Mike Smith days. Like it's not a new question. (laughs) It isn't. And that's the most, that's, you know, was really befuddling about everything. Like this is, this is a trend that we actually saw in a whole different regime. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's bothering. It really is. It is. We thought it was just weird in Mike Smith era. Now you're looking at it and like, okay, what the hell is going on here? I mean, the team is so immune to closing out games and I don't know how, I don't know why. Yeah. It, 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 it truly honestly feels like a curse. Um, yeah, yeah it came from Georgia. Uh, what's that? I know that that's a logical, but also 2020 has been a handful. So who knows? Yes. Maybe it, maybe it is a curse. Just add that to the list. Yeah. We're, we're, we're stacking it all on one big, <laughs> <laughs> giant nasty ugly list we're going to burn on December 31st. Yes. Um on Twitter it came from Georgia said I wanted to call in but I don't want to do all that cussing on y'all's podcast like that. Um <laughs> Gina has he heard us before? I know maybe he's a new listener. Um I've been kind of reining in my language just you know because <laughs> 
I'm trying to be more professional, but yeah, um, we have always sworn a lot on this podcast. So maybe he's a new listener. Welcome to the show. If so, my suggestion is, look, I, I, I've come a long way, so I've gotten the whole emotions out of this. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're a bad team and I'm not going to cry about it after every loss. I mean, I actually, I actually picked them to lose, yeah. lose to the Bears anyway. My suggestion for that fan, let it all out, man. Yep. Get it out. Put it out there, okay? There are actually scientific studies that show that when you swear after you hurt yourself physically, like say you bang your shin into something, um, yeah. like a table leg. I'm very clumsy. It's it's possible. It's very believable. <laughs> I'm usually the pinky toe guy that does that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I have a huge bruise on my shin right now from literally doing this. That's why it was so easy to come up with that uh, scenario. But yeah, so if you say you bang your shin in something, there are medical studies that show that when you shout swears, it actually helps your pain to go away more easily and more quickly. Um, I buy it. I'm a big proponent of swearing and especially swearing <laughs> at and about the falcon I yes the only thing keeping me together right now are the swears just let it out just get it all out there man <laughs> love it. yep um last one from twitter uh at j underscore plays uh he said the falcons are a meme now this week was bad but if we're honest we've been dealing with national embarrassment since smitty ouch it's particularly hard being a fan outside of Georgia. Can't wear my stuff. People point and chuckle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh man. I, I feel that deep in my soul. They're, um, not, they're not a meme. Okay. They're a Saturday night live skit. <laughs> I guarantee you it's going to happen this year. I promise you. They are going to make a skit about the Falcons. They're going to film a special episode from their homes on quarantine just to make fun of the Falcons because yep. they have brought it upon themselves. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Territory. That is legendary. You're going to be, yeah, you're going to have Keenan Thompson playing, I don't know, Tack McKinley or somebody. <laughs> trust me, it's going to happen. Oh, man. I can, yeah, I can definitely see it. Yeah. Um, all right, another voicemail. <laughs> what more is there to say? Love ATL, love the team, or at least I love them. Can't support them no more. At this point, I don't know what to say. Can't defend them. Nothing. It's embarrassing. We're all soft, most undisciplined team in the NFL. So with that being said, trade Julio to a contender. Save him his prime. Trade him to a contender, anybody. And clear house, clean it. That's it. Rebuild. That's it. Save Julio's career, trade him to a contender so he can win. We don't deserve him. Wow. That guy. Um, I felt that guy's pain. Like I think he cried before he called. <laughs> I teared up a little bit listening to him. Like, I don't know. This is it is hard to see your team fail this aggressively like in stars like yeah. they're gonna end up in the hall of fame literally i mean you know matt ryan i feel like he has given this team everything that he can give he's a good man he's a good quarterback he's the face of the franchise like he has been very very consistent over the years and has had to elevate a team that has usually had a really shitty defense 
to pair him up with. And so I feel like he's very underrated. And then you look at Julio, who is one of the most gifted athletes that I have ever seen. I mean, honestly, watching Julio play is a privilege. Watching him practice is a privilege. Watching him play ping pong in the Falcons locker room was a privilege (laughs) because he's so fluid. Like his, his athleticism is, it's almost beyond comprehension. And to know that the Falcons have had this caliber of talent on their offense, well, since 2008 with Matt and since 2011 with Julio, what are they doing? You know, what are they doing? It, it really is a lot to ask of fans to continue watching them squander the talent that they have and, you know, blow situations that they should be able to avoid blowing. Like, it's just, it's very frustrating to be a Falcons fan right now. And yeah. that the pain in that fan's voice is something that even though we make a lot of jokes and all that, and uh, honestly, the Falcons deserve it, but it's... <laughs> sucks like it sucks to see them unravel like this it genuinely does yeah you can you can hear it you can hear it within him like that guy yeah. that guy has seasons of frustration that he probably just let out before he dialed the number um you know it's 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 not to me honestly it's not as frustrating to me to compare it to some because like i've already come to that fruition like this team is bad okay mm-hmm. They're not good. The coaching staff can't be trusted. I've already, I've already reached that state. And there are some fans who are holding on. Like, man, this is the week they're going to turn it around. And and I, you know, bless their heart because, you know, they're just going to be disappointed after the game. And and I'm going to sit there and say, hey, I told you so. But hey, keep thinking they're going to go out and beat Green Bay next week and turn the season around. But I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, this team is it, it does need to be stripped down. Um as far as trading Julio Jones, man, that's that's a I, I don't I don't even know how to approach that to be honest with you guys because I I can't I cannot bring myself to accept even the idea of it. Like he just like I said, he's such a special athlete. It's been a privilege to watch him play. And does he deserve better than what this team has given him since 2011? Yes. Um, this guy has played through injuries. I mean, he is hurt to some degree all the time, but he still gives everything to this team. And he is just, remember that catch over Luke Keekley right over his head, And remember when he went off for 300 yards against the Panthers? Like, he has been an absolute joy to watch him play. And he has been a joy that Falcons fans have really needed because we have been subjected to this absolute bullshit for (laughs) as long as I have been a Falcons fan. If you think the fan base is hurting now, yeah, imagine how they will feel if they trade him to a contender and that contender wins the Super Bowl the very next year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, if he went to the 49ers. Yeah. Um, oh. Which I feel. Yeah. Oh, I know, I'm, I'm kind of sick to my stomach now that I said it. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to read one comment before we go to the break. Uh, this one's a little bit long, so give me a second to, to get this one out. But this is from Matty Ice 318 uh, and he put this pretty detailed comment. Uh, kudos to this. This one stood out to me. Uh, and he says... 
I've never been as embarrassed to be a fan as I am right now. I've spent 10 plus years telling people to not look at the situation so cynically. Fast forward to the fourth quarter and the internet is full of Falcons fan made memes about how 16 points doesn't mean anything and that we're primed to lose. Today, hundreds of Falcons fans collectively called what hadn't ever statistically happened in NFL history until today. And with such nonchalance, it almost felt arrogant. Quinn is broken. It's an unhealthy relationship that went to marriage counseling and thought the answer was another year together. Wow. If you have to convince yourself you love the other person, that's the sign all along about how it wasn't meant to be. That's what Blank did with Quinn on the professional level. While teams like the 49ers make unorthodox hirings and find success, teams like the Cardinals cut the dead weight, not letting the sunk cost fallacy affect them to more quickly right the organization's ship. If you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it, and the Falcons seem to have forgotten Cutter, Malarkey, and Knapp were unsuccessful buddy-buddy hires from Jim Mora to Mike Smith to Dan Quinn. What do you think is going to happen to the players and the atmosphere when they see incompetence is rehired and rewarded? Wasted Ryan's career with PTSD flashes of Chris Owens getting burnt, Pariah Jerry's heartless exit on Hard Knocks, Ray Edwards' selfie, Vic Beasley was labeled a one-trick speed rusher in his draft profile, not even calling Todd McClure to ask to come back, the unceremonious cutting of Bryant only to beg for forgiveness weeks later, letting players like John Abraham and Harvey Dahl walk to sign... Uh, the Dunta Robinsons and Tyson Jacksons of the world. You think a dude with a dog named Codeine is going to stretch and eat well during the offseason to come back from his injuries? Oh, my God. Arthur Blank noticed the rule Bobby Petrino enacted of no talking in the cafeteria and did nothing. He let Petrino control the situation. He let Quinn convince him one more season, one more week, it won't happen again. People joke about the church cursing Blank. But it's one example that epitomizes this franchise. So consistently does this organization not only disregard glaring red flags every chance they get, they rarely learn from them. Uh, a week three loss to the Bears is the most embarrassing you felt as a fan? <laughs> not what happened three years ago in Houston? <laughs> right. I, I, I think it was the, the breaking point. Like, But yeah, that's a great point, Eric. Um, I thought it was a very creative, uh, very well put together uh, sort of thoughtful. It was a thoughtful comment. And the criticisms that that person has of the Falcons are generally accurate. I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, my goodness. I mean, just thinking about all of the failures and the similarities between them. um, You know, (laughs) I was, I had to laugh when he said, you know, Priya Jerry's exit on Hard Knocks and and Ray Edwards, who we (laughs) all thought was going to be finally like we might see a pass rush, like maybe a pass rush, like once a game or something. I mean, we didn't have high hopes. We didn't expect to have, you know, multiple double digit sack guys, but Ray Edwards was genuinely more concerned with being an Instagram model than playing football. <laughs> it really has been a rough few years for the Falcons franchise is I guess what I'm getting at here. I did not expect so many of these voicemails to be a kick in the nuts to my emotions, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, and we're going to get to more of those voicemails and some of the messages, uh, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I am joined by Eric Robinson and my co-host, Gina Kelly. We are talking about the feedback you, our listeners and readers, have left us on our voicemail line, on Twitter, at thefalcoholic.com, about the Bears' uh, thrilling comeback against the Falcons, if you want to look at it from the other side of the uh, the coin. Uh, and I'm going to play another one of our voicemails. You guys did – I mean, you, you you hit us with a ton of feedback, so thank you for that. I apologize if we didn't get to your comment or if we don't get to uh, your messages. We're, you know, we, you overwhelmed us and we're, we're truly appreciative. But I'm going to hit another voicemail uh, for us to listen to right now. Uh, yes, this is Dustin from Warner Robins, Georgia. I'd just like to know why the hell the Falcons didn't run the ball in the fourth quarter. Thank you. Dark water. Next. <laughs> That's a fair answer. Um, yeah. I feel like when you have a lead and you're trying not to blow it, maybe run the ball. I think back to a very specific situation in oh. 51. And I mean, Shanahan is gone now, obviously, but this has been a not just the decisions to not run the ball, but the inability to run the ball have yep. been hallmarks of this Falcons team over the past decade and a half. Um, Michael Turner was an exception. Devontae was an exception for a while. You know, there were guys who came in here and there who could actually get things done on the ground. But um, yeah, I think that in general, it's been a real weak point for this. It it would be nice for Dan Quinn to, in the fourth quarter, nursing a a two-score lead. Um, And the first pass play he sees from Matt Ryan, it would be nice for him to take his headset and yell at Dirk, run <laughs> the damn football or I'm coming up there. I'm going to run the football for you. Because, again, you, you still wonder, okay, was the Super Bowl the true barometer as far as – was it the test that they needed? Because that was an ultimate lesson for me and, and Gene and DW, but why can't it be an ultimate lesson for the coaching staff? You don't run oh, Amen. Come on. Like that should have been that should from that point on, Dan Quinn should have said, Hey, if we're nursing a two score lead, three score lead in the fourth quarter, I'm running the damn football until my running back says I can't do anymore. Plain and simple. Situational yeah. football. That's all that we were asking. Was them. Bob Sutton sleeping or something? Or what the hell? <laughs> uh probably. All right. Next voicemail. Hi, I'm Megan. I'm from Dallas, and I've been a Falcon fan since 2008. Whenever Matt Ryan got drafted, and I was nine years old then, and I'm 21 now. And for those 11 years, or however long that's been, 12, I don't know how to do math right now, I've never been more upset than I am right now, considering the past two games, how we've given up our leads in the fourth quarter, both games. I was personally at the Cowboys game, 
in Dallas, and I was literally in the front row with my hands over my head, crowded, crouched down in a ball when the Cowboys made their field goal in the final second. So I'm wondering, when the hell are they going to fire Dan Quinn because I'm done with this? And everyone's saying, oh, Matt Ryan's the problem. It's not Matt Ryan. It's the coaching, especially Dan Quinn. Yeah, he's a great guy, whatever. But he doesn't know how to finish games, and he doesn't know how to motivate the team enough to obviously finish games. And also, we need to cut Isaiah Oliver. So, yeah, just thought I'd say. I'm just very frustrated right now, and I just thought I'd voice my opinion. So, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Megan, for your thoughts. Um, Gina, I feel like she hit on a few things there that, you know, are pretty legitimate, and she's probably echoing what a lot of people are feeling right now. Yeah, um, and I think that looking at Dan Quinn, he is a great guy. Um, He is a very nice person. He has clearly lost control of this football team. His message is not getting through to them. It has not been getting through to them for some time. Um, I would say, you know, 2016, obviously, we know what happened. 2017, they actually won a playoff game and then had to go play on the road in Philadelphia. It came down to the last play of the game. And, um, and of course they blew it because it is the Falcons. But I mean, I would say that after that, the team has really just consistently failed and we haven't seen any improvement. We haven't seen any correction. And so I don't think that the team has a choice. I think that they have to move yeah. on Dan Quinn. I don't know what the... I don't know what the solution looks like there. We've already discussed how we've got limited options on the Falcon staff now. Um, Ulbrich, I think, is the best choice. But yeah, I just don't see anything getting better until they make the decision to move on. That's committing to change that this team needs. We've already talked tonight about how the problems that are plaguing them right now have plagued them for several seasons. None of this is new. And they haven't had a coach who can correct it. It's time to try to find that coach. I don't know if they can. I don't know if a coaching change is going to resign us to a multi-year rebuild and a bunch of stupid decisions and me being mad online a lot. I mean, all <laughs> are ex- there are definitely possibilities. But we at this point, we are doing the same thing week in and week out and expecting different results. And that is actually the definition of, of insanity. Like you've got to make a change at this point. There's really not another choice. The team, Eric. the team blew a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl. How are these games <laughs> the most embarrassing moments as a fan? I don't get it. <laughs> I honestly, I I feel like it's one of those things where when you have a trauma like that and you have some distance, you completely forget that trauma until a new trauma comes along and like reignites it. But then you're focused on that new trauma. So I, I, I feel like there's a reasonable explanation. So what you're telling me is fans forget what happened in Houston in Super Bowl 51. And then it's just a reoccurring nightmare when Dallas hits a game with a field goal. Yes. Yes. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) We're reminded every day. How often do we come across the numbers two, three, and eight on a daily basis? We're reminded every day. I know I am. Oh yeah. I mean the, the last four digits of our Falcoholic podcast phone number is two, eight, two, three. 
Um, so we lean into it. Absolutely. What time I woke up from my nap? Three twenty-eight. That's right. That's right. I, I can't forget it. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> I, I don't. I just don't see how losing to the Bears and Nick Foles is the most embarrassing moment over blowing a epic lead in the, the biggest game of the year that will never be lived. Now we'll forget about the Bears' loss. We will never forget about that. Uh, that's fair. But I feel like this is this is like a um. That you know, if you were abused as uh, you know earlier in life, right, uh, and you're abused later in life, it, it and this is, I mean, this is reality. You actually you put more emphasis and uh, uh, immediate attention to the the recent abuse, and sometimes we'll even forget what happened in the past. Uh, so I, I do, I think, I think with what the Falcons have done to their fans there is like a psychological impact that has been felt, but, and you can hear it in these voicemails. You can hear it in these messages. People are coming to this realization of just this like cycle of just, you know, trauma, you know, emotional trauma where they've been invested in this team. And I know people are gonna be like, Oh, it's just sports. But here's the thing. Like people tell you to never, uh, mix uh, or to never get into arguments in, in, with family over religion, over politics and sports. And it's because we get emotionally invested in these things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree, you know, Eric, it, clearly the Super Bowl is the most devastating loss in this franchise's history, but I feel like these losses are almost like this, like this could it's, it's the repeated pounding. It's, uh, we already took a beating before, but now someone's coming back and they're hitting us in our bruises. And that's what this feels like. And from my perspective, what it looks like is, oh, yeah, you guys thought that we lost in a stupid way last week. Let's see how we can. <laughs> and I'm just like, you guys, come on. We've had enough of that kind of back ass nonsense going on in. 2020. Like, can you guys please? On our, on our, our Falcoholic Live episode last week. Mm-hmm. When I picked the Bears to win, I said something goofy is going to happen. Like, oh my god, it's not just going to be a loss. It's going to be, I don't know, a play where they had three turnover opportunities in the same play and didn't come up with the ball any time during that play. Like something like that. Like, it's- or, you know, maybe maybe something like the onside kick quote right. recovery oh. in uh, in week two against the Cowboys, like. Just seeing these guys stand around nonchalantly, like I, I just I can't I cannot do it with this team anymore. Like I have to say, obviously 2016, that Super Bowl was the worst game. I forced myself to stop being emotionally invested in the outcomes because this team is a disaster all the time. I mean, they have been losing games like this for as long as I've been a fan. It's it's and again, I feel like next week against Green Bay, something's going to happen. Something goofy is going to happen again. They they're going to let Matt Lafleur field the punt, and he's going to return it for the game winning test. Now. <laughs> I'm going to petition Dave. It always happens with this team. I I, w- I want to petition Dave to let us change the breaking news thing on the actual site to say coming up this week against Green Bay, something goofy is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> 
we should totally do that. Yeah, um, absolutely should. <laughs> uh, all right, next voicemail. I'm so fucking sick of this shit. We don't fucking fire Dan Quinn, Dirt Cutter. By today at 8 p.m., I'm going to slash my tires. Fuck this team. Fuck this team. <laughs> He's not done. Bob Sutton, the fucking head coach. Let's bring him up to the head coach. Fuck everyone else. We'll have Bob Sutton, fucking Ulbrich, whatever his dumbass name is, as our offensive coordinator, just throw him in there, you know, randomly, a little kiss on the cheek. All right? Fuck this team. Um, I I wanted them to get it out, but not cause, like, property damage or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Voice your opinion, but don't like slash your tires and set your car on fire. Like that's not going to. <laughs> also, uh, I feel like that's on on par with you know burning LeBron's jersey when he went yeah. to the like you paid money for those tires, my guy. Don't slash your own. Yeah, don't don't like, don't yeah. slash your tires or punching your TV or or drop kicking your TV. Something like like yeah, like that's that's too. Yeah. If you yeah. have to pay to replace it, think long and hard about what kind of thing you want to get. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, especially when you have to be to work the next morning at 8 a.m. Those four slash tires are really going to be But to play better after you slashed your own tires <laughs> in protest. Amen. Next voicemail. Here we go. Hi, is this the Falcoholic Podcast. Oh, okay. This is Evan Birchfield of the Falcoholic. Wow. And I just want to know, am I a joke to you? Is this funny? And that's my, my thoughts on the uh, Bears game. Bye. <laughs> um, I'm going to let Jenny go first. Go ahead. <laughs> Evan. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Oh my God! Thank, All right. for, thank you for your input, Evan. We appreciate it. We for, do. For a minute, I thought this this was a person that literally called a voicemail and asked the voicemail, "Is this <laughs> like it was going to respond back to it?" But <laughs> this is the voicemail. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like somebody was going. Yes, you have called the voicemail. Yes. <laughs> I, artificial intelligence these days, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Next one. You got a top five ranked offense and a 31st ranked defense. You made history three times. Uh, that is all accurate. Yes. Um, is that tequila, whiskey, gin? Let you be honest. That might have been beer. That sounded like beer. After the Falcons game on Sunday, I I respect everybody's choices as far as <laughs> whatever they consume to deal with that bullshit. So. Ooh, all right. Um, before I go to some of our other voicemails, this was actually a pretty good question. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys that came up from the site. Um, Dirty Bird Flap <laughs> asked, I have a question for the podcast, kind of a two-part one. Do you think, do you guys think Quinn is actually letting Morris run the defense the way he wants, or is he essentially the new Marquan Manuel in that he's just running what Quinn wants, 
But Quinn has him in place to lessen responsibilities, and he probably communicates with the players better. Assuming he'd do things differently, I don't think Morris is getting the same flexibility Cutter is because Cutter is running elements of Shanahan's offense, but he's not running Shanahan's offense. Um, interesting question. Eric, what do you think? This is Quinn's defense with Morris calling it. That's how yeah. I feel. Um, I, I, I don't see often – well, I'll put it to you this way. I see a lot of the schematic approaches that were occurring before Morris even became defense coordinator. From, you know, the deep cover three on freaking third and three, or, you know, going to prevent defense, you know, with a seven nothing lead in the first quarter, stuff like that. Like, this is stuff we've seen before Morris was defensive coordinator. So I, I think that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing Dan Quinn trying tirelessly to implement this Seattle defense and it's not working. And I think Raheem Morris to an extent is going to be another scapegoat again. It's like Mark Mark Manuel was. What do you think, Gina? You know, I breaking down film is not my forte never has been, but I trust the judgment of Eric and of the other guys that we have at the Falcoholic. And I, I think, and I'm, I might be wrong, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth here, but I think that everybody's on the same page with this one because it is so evocative of, you know, the Legion of Boom. I mean, that's what they're trying to replicate, but they're trying to do it with myriad injuries and the secondary and honestly, you know, a different caliber of talent. And so they're trying to replicate it with varying degrees of success and mostly the degrees of success are not success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that that is the issue. And I have to say, I think that Raheem Morris is a good coach. I mean, the fact that he had the flexibility to be able to go and be a wide receivers coach, which I actually thought was brilliant. I mean, being able to help receivers understand what a DB sees when they're on the field, like that's mm-hmm. a competitive advantage. If you can, if you can effectively communicate that in a way that helps them understand how to adjust their play. Um, and so I, I have a ton of respect for him, but yeah, I don't think that he is calling his own defense. I think that, I think that Quinn feels like he's kind of under the gun. I mean, he knows that his seat is hot and getting hotter because this has been a really abysmal season so far. And I think because of that, he's trying to hold on to control. Like, you know, trying to control the defense as much as possible. I really think that the team might be better off if he just kind of freed people up to do the jobs that they have. Um, you know, I think that that should actually be the first change for the Falcons. Yeah. I, I when it comes to, you, you know, we're, this is what, year five for Dan Quinn? I, I might be six. Yes, six. Six. I think it's quite obvious this scheme doesn't work here. And I think, I honestly believe it's not necessarily the scheme. And I felt the past couple of years, it's the players. Like they have, they have talented guys on the defense. Don't get me wrong. But I'm starting to see and realize that these guys are truly, they're, they're made for this particular scheme, but they're just not, as good as that Seattle 
defense was. Like, those, they got, let's be quite honest. That franchise got a little lucky with their drafting, okay, for them yeah. to get a guy like Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Sherman and K.J. Wright. Like, those, they got a little lucky there. This scheme can work, but I don't think these players are good enough to operate this scheme, plain and simple. Um, Isaiah Oliver, his instincts are abysmal. And you can tell. He doesn't play the ball, and when he does play the ball, it's too late. Um, KZ freelances a little bit more than he should. He's out of position way too many times. It's yep. ridiculous. Ricardo Allen, I know everybody loves Ricardo Allen, but he's not very athletic. He can only do but so much. Um, it's just, remember that Mitch Trubisky run yesterday? That long 45-yard oh. run? Oh, man. That was, to me, that was a, I mean, first of all, I mean, I don't think Moses had that much of a pass. <laughs> like, that was ridiculous. Like, there were, these guys were literally on the sideline almost. Um, but to me, that was an omen. That was that was a sign saying, hey, this, this scheme, it can really, really hang your defense out to dry if it's not operated correctly. And I just yeah. don't think they have the right guys in place to do this. Yeah, these are all uh, fair thoughts. Um, another comment from the site uh, from one of our frequent commenters, Aces six 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 high. Hey, buddy. Uh, Sunday used to be a holy day for me. No, not because of church. Twelve years of Catholic school will knock that out of you quick. <laughs> it was because thanks to Sunday ticket. A long-suffering SoCal fan, Southern California, could finally watch them every week. I volunteered to work today. I'm a splicer for a phone company, so in other words, I'd rather be 25 to 30 feet in the air in 90-degree weather fixing an internet line than sitting at home watching the Falcons play. I had to walk through some kind of plant with what felt like spikes all over it to get to a pole, and I still know I had a better day going to work than sitting at home watching could have watched on my phone, but I'd rather use my data to stream a show I've watched 20 times than waste it on a live Falcons game. Fans since 1980, done till they remove the stench of Quinn and company. When is, what's, what's his Twitter name? Aces666 High. Mm-hmm. He's Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently not anymore. It knocked it out of him. Yeah. I, I, which I think is not uncommon for people who did go to Catholic school. Um, Aces six 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 high has been around since my very early days at the Falcoholic, and yep, yeah, his whole testimonial there was kind of a punch in the gut. Like I think back to the first time that I became aware of his comments on thefalcoholic.com, and this is probably like around two thousand six. 2007 and you know just a diehard fan who Mm -hmm. lives and dies with every move this team makes every every single snap and yeah i mean it is hard to be a fan of this team i did not expect for this podcast to take me in this direction but yeah i'm actually very mad online at falcons we all deserve better than this this is ridiculous yeah and I, I would like to say, I, I feel like this podcast, um, our intention was to get 
the voices of fans and their thoughts into this format so we could all commiserate together. And what I'm walking away with is many of you are just so fed up with this team. And I don't blame you. Um, I want to finish with uh, two last voicemails uh, before we wrap up this podcast. And again, let me just say before we we get to these two, thank you guys for listening to the podcast, for reading the our articles at thefalcoholic.com, for interacting with us on Twitter. We don't say it enough, but you guys help make all of this possible. Uh, we truly appreciate the support and truly appreciate your response to this podcast, wanting to let your voice be heard. And we hope we've done it justice. So here's the last two voicemails. We'll, we'll finish up our thoughts and uh, get you guys out of here. Man, all I got to say is I'm just going to blame the corners, bro. We got no corners in our defense. I feel like our defensive line work our asses off. We are, our, our linebackers are just fine, you know, but I just I feel like we just don't have our, our defensive backs, man. Keanu Neal coming back from the injuries, and then we don't have our free safety. So I don't know, man. Like, Isaiah Oliver, I don't understand why Dan Quinn is so high on him. Like, even last year when I saw him play against A.J. Green, when he whiffed it on that fucking oh, – man, so bad. It was so bad. He gave up that fucking winning touchdown pass to A.J. Green. And I was like, dude, Isaiah Oliver, he's definitely not going to be a, a great corner. And what do you find out? We find out that he ends up giving up all of these. Like, oh, my God. It's so bad. Isaiah Oliver <laughs> is literally so bad. I don't understand why they ride him so high. I feel like, you know, if they just go out and we'll get like Prince Akamura, I feel like he'll do a lot more better than what, what Isaiah Oliver is doing out there. Because, man, he... <laughs> <laughs> man, we have the worst corners in the league right now, man. Last year it was the Giants. This year it's the, it's the Falcons, man. I don't know. If it's time for a new change with Dan Quinn leaving the team, Dan Quinn should definitely leave, and then we should definitely trade Matt Ryan to the Jets or something because Whoa. we just need to start all over, man, because at this point um, if we're just going to go 0-5, and who knows, you know. But, yeah, I'm just saying our corners are very trash, very trash. Alright. I, <laughs> I think the message was our, our corners are trash. I got a I got a list of things here. All right. I'll be I'll be quick with it. First, um that was Isaiah Oliver's what third NFL game in twenty eighteen, second or third NFL game. I know what play he's talking about, and that was the play that he he had depth, but it wasn't enough. Um but I'm going to give Oliver the benefit of the doubt. That was his third NFL game, man. Cut him some break at that point. Um, Denard played his ass off yesterday. He was the best defender on the field. Yeah, yep. So, and he played boundary, which is not his natural position. Um, the defensive line working their ass off, I don't know what game you're watching. They're pretty- <laughs> <laughs> what else? Great Matt Ryan to the Jets. Look, all right. Madden, okay? You don't have a trade machine that you can just put a player here and put a player there and click a button and it says, trade accepted. That's not how things work. (laughs) What the hell are we going to get from the Jets in return? Bobby Brister? Le'Veon Bell? No. No. What what can we get in return? They don't have much. Sadness. They have plenty of that to go around. (laughs) 
literally the only thing that could come of it. What are you people thinking? No, like? that's not going to work, man. But no. I, I, I sense his frustration and I get it. But mm-hmm. yeah, he was all over the place there. Yeah. Um, Gina, I'll, I'll let you uh, hit this last voicemail and close us out. Hey, thanks for putting this up. I appreciate it. Uh, as a season ticket holder for the Atlanta Falcons, I cannot be uh, more disappointed in the uh, play of the team. I cannot be more disappointed in the fact that Dan Quinn is still head coach of the team as we uh, sit here at Sunday night. Uh, I think they made history in some sort of manner uh, by letting the team come from 15 down the week prior and then 16 down this week. Um, I'm just totally disappointed in the uh, organization of the whole. And uh, my season ticket uh, section is uh, section 227, uh, seats uh, three and four. Uh, I really appreciate you putting this together. And uh, as a Falcon fan, I'm totally disappointed in the organization and uh, where we're at today. Thank you for allowing me to uh, event. Uh, Thank you. And Gina, I think it goes without saying, this is a guy who he's put money into this team, you know, to be a season ticket holder. So what do you think? Which, I mean, being a season ticket holder is a thing that you and I have both done, David. And we know what a financial sacrifice that is. And we know because these issues that are plaguing this team currently have been issues for several years going back before Quinn. Um, we know what it's like to pump that money into a team that you're also just like angry about every single Sunday. And yeah, I just, I guess what I keep going back to is Dan Quinn is a good man. He's a nice person. He is not the right head coach for this team. I feel like that has been strongly demonstrated multiple times. I don't know how you look at the way that this team blows leads and think maybe we should just ride this out and see what happens. (laughs) You know, everybody joked when they didn't fire Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov and the coordinators at the end of last year, they just kind of shuffled things around. Everybody joked they're just going to run it back. And guess what, kids? We are running it it back. back. It is exact. It is the same shit, different year. And if there has ever been a year that we needed something different it is definitely 2020 so falcons you got to step up here like we none of us has the emotional bandwidth for what you're still doing with dan quinn basically no um well said and I, i on that note we will wrap it up uh gina why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you what you've got going on you can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas and um, occasionally at thefalcoholic.com or sbnation.com. Excellent. Eric, same for you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Um, yeah, and uh, be sure to tune in on Wednesday to the Falcoholic Live podcast that we will have there as well. Uh, check out the site as a whole as well, man. We put this is a very fun group of writers and yes. we all put together you know, our effort to, you know, to put out some, some very quality content from top to bottom. So just give the Falcoholic side a, a, a glance and, and you'll, you'll definitely find some really good stuff. hundred percent agree. Uh, as for me guys, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW updates for this podcast at Falcoholic pod 
And as Eric mentioned, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Eric Robinson and Gina Kelly, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.